This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Brought to you by Scott's. And good morning, uh, Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the Garden Show uh, on the scene here at AM740 for Charlie Dobbins' Garden Show. Uh, if you want to get to the root of your garden problems, she's here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How well, about that? Well done. Thank you. Well, thank you. I better give the phone numbers to right off the bat I here. I guess, before Along we start talking about yeah. the great weather and all yeah, the things that are going on. Kidney stones. God it's knows not. what else. No. <laughs> 416. 3600740 that's for Toronto listeners and anywhere else in the province toll free 18667404740 so what's up pal well look what a great day oh fat S- yeah the sun is shining sugar bushes are in bloom like as it were <laughs> no, they're, they're sap, sugaring off sap yeah. is rising i <laughs> yeah. think is the way we, we talk about that which is great i mean yeah. we were wondering for a while there you know is is we're going to come or are we going to go right through to summer i, I think we, it's really happening and uh, i know you were laughing at how beautifully dressed i am yes, today yes you are look like i'm going winter camping or something <laughs> um I, this is my life at this time of year. Yeah. Uh, after the radio show, I end up in people's backyards. Uh, Sometimes unwanted. <laughs> I was going to say, <laughs> it's my best way to get a peek into what's going on in people's gardens. But I do. people do hire me, believe it or not, to come into their yards to consult well, for yeah. them, uh, whether it's a design consultation or a horticultural consul- consultation. So I've got a couple of those booked today. So, hey, you know. And I'm not sure. What the, you know, I wasn't convinced it was going to be really yeah. warm. So, I, you know, I got the long end well, and just. They say 13. I think it's going to be warmer than that. I hope so. Uh, and, and with that in mind, if, if anyone would like to get in touch with you, by all means, send an email to C. Dobbin. That's C, as in Charlie, D-O-B-B-I-N at am740.ca. Thank you. Yes, yeah. indeed. You can. That's the best way to get a hold of me. And also, I do get questions in to that email yeah. address, which we'll get to. But before we get to any questions from callers or emailers, how about a couple of announcements? All righty. Because we're at that time of year. There's a lot going on. Tomorrow. The Ontario Rock Garden. Well, the clock is missing. I know, it's, like, it's, oh, it's turned it's around. Turned. Okay. I know. I, I did the same thing. It was like, well, okay, it's there, though. It says 9080910. Okay, we're right. 11. Okay. 12. So, okay. so tomorrow, the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society, you just keep counting over there, is a meeting at the Toronto Botanical Gardens starting at 1.30 p.m. 45. Pam, Emily, will be speaking on primulas, and everyone is welcome. So that's a fun thing because the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society are a really interesting group. I mean, they just, they're right into some plants that are super tough, you know, easy to grow, low maintenance. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's what you're looking 36. for, these people are, <laughs> no, you're behind, it's 42. Oh, oh. <laughs> the Asian Court Garden Club is meeting on Monday. Yes. 
That's April the 9th at 8, 8 p.m. Hmm. Their speaker is Sherry Lynn Saffer. She's the president of the Rose Society. Of course, she's speaking about everything's coming up roses. Following, there's a contest. You're going to like this. A contest on chocolate desserts, and then they're going to auction them off. Oh. Yeah, so I don't quite get the con- how you- contest to maybe what's the best-looking chocolate dessert or what's got the best name. Anyway, bottom line is they're going to be auctioned at the end. So this will be a fun one. Of course, everyone is welcome to the Agent Court Garden Club this Monday, 8 p.m. at the Knox United Christian Education Centre, 2575 Midland Avenue. All- on Tuesday the 12th, 7.30 p.m., we have the Scarborough Garden and Hort Society's general meeting and free lecture on... Low Impact Gardening by Gavin Trevelyan, I think is how you say his last name. So Low Impact Gardening. I'm thinking aerobics when I hear something like that. You know, gardening that's going to be easy on your body. Mm -hmm. But actually, I'm completely wrong. It's got nothing to do with being easy on your body. It's being easy on the environment. So low impact, sustainable type practices is what his lecture is going to cover. And they're meeting at the Scarborough Village Community Center, 3600 Kingston Road. Of course, everyone is welcome and refreshments are included. Wednesday the 13th, the Riverdale Hort Society. So every night this week, somebody's got a meeting. The Riverdale Hort Society, 7 p.m. at the Frankland Community Center, 816 Logan Avenue. Malcolm Geest is the speaker. He is presenting beneficial and harmful insects, which is a great topic because we all need to know which bugs are good bugs and which oh, yeah. bugs are bad bugs. You shouldn't just kill all bugs. I mean, that's the bottom line. Malcolm's great. He's a he's an amazing photographer. Uh, he's the past president of the East York Garden Club. He's the assistant director of OHA, Ontario Hort Association, District 5. And he's the official OHA historian, not to mention he has been a hardworking volunteer at Canada Blooms every year I've been there. Malcolm is just a fixture. He's always there. He's great. So, yeah, that's... A, that's he's just a fixture. He's a fixture he's, at he's Canada big, Blooms. He's oh, there. Okay, okay. He's, sorry, he's not just like, <laughs> doesn't just like hang on the wall or anything. He He's there. He's always there. He's doing stuff. He's friendly. He's full of information. He's a, he's a great guy. Is that better? Yes, but that's All right. better. <laughs> Wednesday, April 13th, the Burlington Hort Society is having their monthly gardening meeting, 7.30 p.m. Speaker for the evening is amateur photographer Art Ward. The topic is tips for taking pictures of nature and flowers. Meeting at the Burlington Senior Center, 2285 New Street at Seneca Avenue in Burlington. Yeah, you know, with that in mind, I'm, I'm sure when you go to all these garden shows and what have you, folks are taking along their cameras to get shots of... Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah. You know, when you're a gardener, you tend to be a meteorologist because weather matters. But then you sort of take it to the next level and you definitely become a a photographer because that's how we... You you have these vague memories of what things looked like in July last year. Take a picture. It's the Mm. best way. And, you know, we're all photographers now with digital cameras. It's so easy and inexpensive and, you know, everything. You can track things. We always say keep a journal. That way you know, for example, the daffodils aren't even showing any color yet this year, and yet they were almost finished blooming by this time last year. So, you know, it's keeping track of when things happen. And, you know, again, photographs can help us with saving time and, and giving us those visual images. Good enough. Have you got any more there? Uh, that's all for, I've got for my announcements. Oh, okay. I almost started into singing Everything's Coming Up Roses. Oh, okay. I'd even gone as far as writing down the first <laughs> few lyrics that Ethel Merman would sing, you know. <laughs> things look swell. Things look great. Gonna have the whole world on a plate. Starting here, starting now. Everything's coming up roses. 
That's good. Yeah, well, I think you better Apple. stop all that. I can hear the click <laughs> already. The, oh, God. Turn that Wrong on. station. Wrong station. <laughs> <laughs> the Garden Show. We're going to get to, uh, well, we'll bob along to Uxbridge and have a chat with Bob in just a couple of moments here at AM 740. It's the Charlie Dobbin Garden Show on AM 740. Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM 740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And this is the, the sous chef uh, attesting to that fact that you can find her near, sometimes just laying on the ground. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when she takes a little wine Counting. bag out there. No, no, I'm counting my, my uh, you know, whatever in the ground when oh. you see me. You think I'm just sleeping, but no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ant Hunter. Okay. Uh, Bob in Uxbridge, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, uh, good morning. Uh, uh, I'm fine, thanks. And the sun's shining, eh? That's, yes. That's good. Beautiful. Gorgeous day. Hey. What can we help you with? What can we help oh, you with, Bob? Uh, I have a, a few... Uh, semi-dwarf apple trees, mm-hmm. and I prune them about this time of year or maybe sooner. Mm-hmm. And I have a delicious tree. Every year, when this time of year, it looks like a back of a porcupine. <laughs> There's hundreds and hundreds of shoots, and they're about three feet long, two feet to three feet. And I wondered if I was pruning it too soon. Uh, if it later would deter some of this tremendous shoot growth. Hmm. No, actually, your timing is good. What, the best time to prune any of the fruit trees, including the apples, is now or, like you say, even earlier than now, in March. Yeah. Uh, as long as we, we don't want it to be, like, super cold because if the, if the wood is very, very frozen, sometimes we can cause damage that doesn't heal very quickly. But as soon as things have gotten a tiny bit milder, which they typically do by mid to late March, uh, it is the time to prune. Now, the fact that you're getting all that growth um, that's, like you said, porcupine-like, uh, would suggest to me that you um, there is an art to pruning uh, fruit trees. <clears throat> If you prune in the wrong spot, you will cause all kinds of growth that's not even going to be flowering growth because, of course, that's what we want. We want to encourage flowers to get the fruit. We don't want to get just a bunch of what are like suckers. It's just a lot of green leaves on very, you know, like you say, upright um, sprouts that do not ever flower. No, these are straight (laughs) spurs Mm -hmm. uh, with no no flowers on them. Yeah, which is exactly what you don't want. How old are the trees? Oh, I would say they're 15 years old. Hmm. But it's the delicious that does this. The other varieties... Well, it's the worst. It's the worst. It's a healthy tree, mm-hmm. but I, I, I really prune it viciously and to keep it from growing sideways and too high. And I do have apples on it, mm-hmm. and uh, good apples. Yeah. But, oh, my land, I wondered where all these sprigs keep yeah. going. Well, recognize that if, like you mentioned that you're trying to keep it from getting too wide and too tall, so you're almost fighting the tree on so many levels there, it's got to go one direction or the other. And I understand you don't want it to get too tall. That's exactly what you don't want. You want to keep it low and... and oh, I try to, yeah. Yeah, and wide rather than, than wide, not tall. Yeah. So, so I'm just wondering if perhaps that's partially what's going on is you're shortening the the stems back so much that you are forcing all these little side branches, which are literally, you know, like you're saying, they're spouts. Well, they just that, grow straight up. Straight up, which you do not want. Yeah. So, um, now, there, do you ha- it's hard to explain pruning fruit trees on the radio. What yes, you need is a good book, 
which will identify or access to the internet because there's excellent information out there with, you know, drawings of, you know, what to prune and when to prune and how to prune. Of course, it all starts way back at the beginning, but even now, you know, there's rejuvenation pruning that can be done on a healthy tree. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll just go along with that and see if I can seek more information on by a book or something. Well, exactly. Like a um, public library too. The library. Have, uh, yeah, I never thought of that, but that's uh, we have good access to a, a good library. Oh, well, there, you, there go. you go. That's that might be the way. The, one of my favorite authors on the subject of pruning. His first name is Lee, so L E E, and and his last name is spelled R E I C H. And he's he's kind of the pruning guru. He's written the he's written the encyclopedia on on how to prune everything and uh, when and why and with great diagrams and photographs. So yeah. check and see if you can find his book in the library. And if not, a great book to have on your shelf. Yeah, well, I'll pursue that uh, uh, as a thing to do. And thank you very much. Thanks for joining the show, Bob. Thanks for calling, Bob. Well, thank you. Bye bye now. A good day. Yeah. Nice guy from uh, Uxbridge there. And the sun is shining in Uxbridge. Yes, indeedy. Good to hear. You know, we're running a little long here for our next break, so I will be along in a moment to talk to uh, Diane, who lives in a perfect spot for a gardener, Garden Hill. Mm -hmm. How about that? And cutting mock orange tree. You can recognize the uh, mock orange tree. So you walk by them and they go, nanny, nanny, nanny. It happens. Uh, We'll be back in just a moment, but first, a little word about what you get uh, my you get my uh, I get exercising it. well you know what I remembered uh, to yeah. do this morning was to take my Sierra Sill yes did you remember to take your no well, I didn't I was be- a bad boy you better not be doing too much uh, stretching no. then Sierra Sill is a supplement a mineral supplement that both Frank and I take then we take it to keep ourselves limber and pain free so we can go out there and play tennis and golf and kickbox and garden and shovel snow and do whatever it is we want to do and not hurt while doing it or afterwards. Both of us have found that it's alleviated uh, joint pain. And so it's something we do recommend if you're experiencing stiffness or trouble in any of your your joints, sierrasill.ca or give them a call, 1-877-JOINT-14. Hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. And Frank Proctor wishing you a happy Saturday. We're uh, doing our best here, uh, at least Charlie is. Well, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. between you mocking the callers. Yeah. Well, yes. Uh, Diane in Garden Hill, welcome to the uh, Charlie Dobbin Garden Show. Good morning. Hello, Diane. Whoop. Hello. Oh, I'm hi there. Sorry, I had to change phones because my dog started to bark, <laughs> but I'm here now. Excellent. Okay. Good morning to both of you. I have two mock orange bushes. They're mm-hmm. not trees, they're bushes. Mm-hmm. And they're supposed to grow three to four feet high. And I just planted them last summer, and I'm wondering if I should cut them back this year. No, I would leave them alone for the first, at least one full season. So if you've just planted them, you put them in a Charlie, good... Charlie, I'm sorry, I can't hear you at all. Oh. I'm going to have to go back to the other phone. Okay, no problem. Oh, yeah. And hang up and I'll, I'll just... There. 
Okay. Oh, there we are. Okay. There. Is that better? Can you hear me yes, now? Yes, it's better. Okay, good. Uh, so I was just going to say, when you first plant a shrub, like a mock orange, you put it into a good quality soil. Yeah. Look, take care of it that first year. There's no fertilizing that first year because the soil is nice and rich. You might use a transplanter or a starter fertilizer, but otherwise no fertilizer. Right. Second season, this year you can consider an all-purpose or a shrub-type fertilizer, but you shouldn't have to do much pruning. I would look for any dead, or any diseased, or any damaged wood yeah. as the growth starts to emerge in the next few weeks. Right. Otherwise, you should not, have, should not need to do anything too dramatic. Uh, keep in mind, though, it's a very small mock orange, three to four feet high. Typically, mock orange get quite a bit bigger than that. Yes. So is have you fit them into a spot where you want to keep them really tiny or keep them small? Or? No. Um, they were the only mock orange I could get when I went looking last summer. I did want uh, bushes that would grow larger, but mm-hmm. I thought, well, never mind, I'll take these. They're the only ones I could find, and I looked in so many different nurseries. So, uh, do you don't know the variety of that? Uh, uh, yes, I do, okay. actually. I've got it here. It's a snowbell. Oh, okay. Yeah, which is a, one of the smaller versions, but it's a lovely, very lovely fragrant flower. It's a, it's a double, yeah, exactly. double bell shape. That's right. It's a double flower, so it's quite showy. But you know, it didn't smell very much. Oh, when, it, when, it, when you bought it, was it blooming? Or no, you... but it bloomed after I... Okay, and you didn't find Which it high. It's funny because they're supposed to bloom earlier, but but it bloomed after I planted it, and it must have been late July, early August. You've just picked up a lazy mock orange. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. It's probably mocking you, yes. as Frank would say. Uh, no, um, don't worry about it blooming at a funny time because um, sometimes plants are moved around the continent into garden centers and their little physiological clocks aren't on the Ontario time. So don't be concerned that it bloomed at an odd time. Or it could have been that it actually bloomed twice because sometimes mock orange will pop out some flowers, some secondary growth. Well, and when uh, should it bloom? It should, typically in June, mid-June, depending on the weather we're having, right. is when we expect it to bloom. So, in, But going back to your, your pruning question, at this point, the only pruning you should have to do is that magical three Ds, the dead, the diseased, or the damaged wood. <sighs> Otherwise, okay. leave it alone. Let it grow. And so I don't have to trim it next year either? Well, again, always looking for the three Ds. Yeah. Uh, and it becomes a shaping thing. It becomes, I'm assuming it's a well-balanced plant now. Yeah. So the growth should be growing in a balanced fashion, but it doesn't sometimes. Sometimes it grows more on one side because the sun is more on that side. So, yes, over the next year or two, you may have to prune just to keep it balanced. So it's not a case of um, cutting back like you do with hydrangeas in the spring? No, no, not at no. all. All right, then. Well, thank you very much. You've answered my question, and I'm glad I asked you because I had the clippers ready. Oh, <laughs> good. <laughs> well, you may need to do a bit of clipping, but not a lot. No. All right. All right. Thanks for your call, Diane. Thank you thank very you. much. Bye-bye. Bye, Diane. Uh, now with those clippers, she can take up a secondary job and open up a barber shop. Maybe, you know? or yeah. maybe she's got some other plants that do need well, some clipping. Well, there you are, yeah. Because, I mean, this is the time, right? This is where we go out and we're cutting down some of those perennials. Uh, I know I've got sort of crummy-looking sedum standing up in my garden left over with, from last fall, and all the ornamental grasses need to be cut down now, once yeah, a year. Yeah easiest perennials to grow uh you know so there is clipping to do no question just you know recognize and the hydrangeas as as you mentioned the the 
the ball type or macrophylla hydrangeas, they need to be trimmed at this time of year. Right, but but uh, and as in uh, her case, uh, Diane, well, newly, just leave it alone. Leave it alone, yeah. Newly planted shrubs. <clears> three <throat> Ds, make it four. Throw d- disastrous at, at it, too. Uh, all right, let's meander over to Brampton and talk to Mary. Uh, she's got a weed problem. Uh-oh. Hey, Mary, good morning. 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 Uh, I'm calling from Brampton, and I went outside yesterday just to look things over, and there were weeds. Mm. Now, these are not, you know, your individual weeds. These are like a carpet that when I pulled them back, they all came up, almost like a, a lace. Okay, and this is in your garden or in, in your my, lawn? No, in my garden, dear. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So now, what can I use to stop it? I, I had them last year, and I wasn't well, so I wasn't able to really do the gardening weeding. Mm-hmm. Is, is it, does it come with the territory, or <laughs> can I use anything preventative other than well, ripping them out? Well, the one thing, okay, recognize that there, once they're there, there's no real preventative. They're there. Mm-hmm. If it's as simple as just you said, like peeling it off like a carpet, I'd be inclined to do that now when they're so easy to, to get to. And obviously the ground is nice and moist and they're going to lift out easily. They, they certainly did. It was, it was like a, a piece of lace. Yeah. So yeah. I, mean, mm. I, I would be inclined to do that. You'll feel really good afterwards. Like you've really made a difference. Uh, now, if that's just sort of too onerous or the idea of, of crawling around on your hands and knees is not something you want to or can do right now. The other thing you could consider is um, the, there is a herbicide. Uh, Scott's makes a herbicide that is a vinegar-based. Okay. And that can be sprayed very carefully on weeds. Anything green that is touched by this vinegar-based herbicide will turn yellow and die. Okay, is Roundup such a product? Roundup is such a product, but Roundup is not available to be used any longer other than for noxious weeds like poison ivy. Oh, okay. uh, so you will see Roundup still for sale in the stores, yeah. but by yeah. law, it can't be used for anything other than things like poison ivy or poison oak. Oh, commercially, or, yeah. Uh, exactly. So, so if I were you, I like I would pull them. But if pull, like I said, if it's just too much, if the garden is just too large, you can very carefully on a day like today, where there's no wind and the sun is shining, go out there and spray. I'd use a piece of cardboard even as a little backup, oh, okay. and then just spritz this vinegar, and you'll smell it. You, it's much stronger vinegar solution than what we put on our French fries uh, onto the uh, to the green growth, and it will turn yellow. And the, mm. the plants will die. But I went out yesterday just to look at things, and there's there's the weeds. I know, oh, wonderful. Well, honestly, the first thing I saw in my garden was a dandelion. You know, oh, another weed. First green thing that's popping up in my place. Yeah, yeah, between the violets and the dandelions, I have my work cut out for yeah. me too. Okay, um, I'll, okay, I will appreciate your answer and, and have a good day. And you too. Thanks for calling. Thanks, thanks Barry. Bye. Uh, Nine thirty-three. The time here at AM seven forty. Phone lines are. Uh, open at uh, four. Well, actually, there. Yes, one is four one six three six zero zero seven forty. And then, of course, for out of town callers, it's one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Anywhere in Ontario, give that number a ring. And our mantra, I forgot to actually mention. Uh, Call early, call yes. often, one question per call. There we are. Okay, so uh, it was funny. I was um, speaking at the Pine Ridge Garden Club oh, on yeah. this past week, evening, and there were some fans in the audience, you know, big hello to whoever's out there listening right now, but there were some of our, of our fans there, and they, were, they kept saying, I have, I have a question, but I realize I can probably only ask one, <laughs> right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and they were, they were like chanting the mantra at me. <laughs> so. Call early, call often, <laughs> (laughs) question (laughs) well yeah so they they definitely knew it
Oh, that's great. So and that you had a good time? Great. I had yeah. a great time. And, of course, there was great questions. So, yeah, we had a lot of fun. Well, let's see what's going on. Uh, let's see. In uh, North York, Barbara, you've got a question for Charlie. Yes, good morning. Good morning. I have a, a dwarf nectarine tree, mm-hmm. and I do believe I was sold the wrong product to spray this tree in the spring. Mm-hmm. What I haven't really had any fruit from this tree. I've had fruit, but it seems to shrivel up and disappear. Oh. So what do I actually spray this tree with? In the spring, <clears throat> now, Yes. all of our fruit trees, our roses, our crab apples, our raspberries, any, any plants that are tasty, sweet, fruit-producing uh, plants should be sprayed with something called dormant spray. Dormant. And when you buy dormant spray, usually it's, it's in a kit. So it's a box with two different bottles in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, so dormant spray is used on dormant plants, which is why we are spraying with it now, now mm-hmm. and over the next few weeks. The two different liquids that we mix together, one is oil, horticultural oil, quite a light oil. Mm-hmm. And the other is lime sulfur. Lime, lime sulfur. sulfur smells like rotten eggs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's because of that sulfur. And it's a, you mix the lime sulfur, the oil, and some water and spray. Mm-hmm. And you spray, like I say, on dormant plants. So this is before there's any green growth on a day where it's above zero. And it's going to be above zero for at least 24 hours. And there's no rain in the forecast. Right. And your nectarine definitely should be on that list. Uh, mm-hmm. We do that to protect the plants from overwintering insects and diseases. Anything right. that is on the bark that we don't see, you know, microscopic eggs and spores uh-huh. are annihilated by the spray if, you know, if done properly and thoroughly. Do you spray the, the uh, trunk of the tree? Yep, spray the entire plant. Because I did notice a split in the wood mm. and it was bleeding sap. Yeah. So what does that mean? Well, that's a bad sign. Uh, oh. I'm sorry, but it is. <laughs> the doctor tells you. The doctor you. says, yes, <laughs> you'd better sit down. Get some gauze. No, it's really not a good thing. When the bark is split on a plant, it happens for a number of reasons. Typically, we'll find splitting on the south or southwest side of a dark barked tree. Yeah. And it's from the sun beating on the side of that tree in February, January, on, on a sunny day where the temperature plummets as the sun goes down and that sun has warmed the the side of the trunk enough that the frozen liquid has thawed. Then when the sun sets and the temperature drops, the liquid, of course, freezes and expands and cra- and just the, the bark Should is Should I wrap broken. it with something to read it somehow? Well... It's it's a bit of a hard one. Oh. It yes, because you want see that the sap that's dripping out is very very attractive to things like ants. Right. So the ants go marching in and <laughs> they carry on their bodies bacteria and parasites and things you don't want that end up inside the tree. The ants aren't hurting the tree, but they can secondarily cause an infection that gets inside the tree that which then contributes to the demise. So what oh. do you what do you do now? Main thing to do is, is it like when you say, um, did you see sap dripping today or yesterday when you were outside? No, I, I, did, I didn't check the tree yesterday. Okay. I just glanced at it, mm-hmm. and, but I haven't um, it, uh, gone right up and taken a close look. Is, so do you think this is a new split or was that there last year? No, no, it was there last year and the year before. Okay. So, I mean, the, the tree is probably, I, I'm afraid to say this, but it... It's probably suffering enough that it will ultimately die as a result of this. But what you can do in the meantime, 
try and eliminate any of the sap, even if it means washing with a very mild alcohol and water solution sap away. You want to draw. You want it to be nice and dry. You want that that it will seal itself. It will actually heal itself, just like we scab over and, right, and heal right. ourselves. Trees will so do the same thing. What rubbing alcohol solution? Yes, very, like a, a teaspoon of rubbing alcohol in a gallon of of water. If it's wet and sticky, if it's not wet and sticky and it's all hard and dry, leave it alone. But just you just want to clean away any of the wet stickiness if it is still oozing. There is well, a technical. I had one beautiful, mature uh, nectarine last year, mm-hmm. and I thought, you know, it just needs another day or so of ripening. Mm. Darned if my neighbor didn't come over and help herself. (laughs) The one nectar. Oh, I'm telling you. I see red. (laughs) Because I hadn't had a chance to... um, uh, sample any. Yeah. Oh, gee, what a shame. Well, so put a sign on it, not, not for public consumption. <laughs> well, I, I was going to suggest, uh, Barbara, that what you might do is uh, martiniize uh, your, your yourself, let alone the tree. You know, yeah. <laughs> Using that the alcohol. alcohol, yeah. <laughs> Get some snaps instead. That's right, yeah. exactly. There you go. Give some to your neighbor. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Okay. You're very welcome. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Was, that tree sounded like it started out old and like uh, the Dorian Gray syndrome, you yeah, know, or it starts kind of, old and gets younger. Yeah. Well, perhaps. And, and the other thing, of course, is if a tree is really important, which this one sounds fairly mm-hmm. important, you can always, always bring in an expert. When you're when you're bamboozled at what to do with a tree on the property, an arborist, an arborist is your is your next call. And whether it's looking it up in the yellow pages or going to the website under International Society of Arboriculture (ISA), either way, have a certified arborist come on the property and provide you with proper advice and the cost for them to actually fulfill what they're recommending. Typically, arborists will make house calls and give you a diagnosis at no charge, but of course we'll charge you for whatever service you might need. Right you are. Okay. okay. Uh, you're listening to Charlie Dobbin and the Garden Show here at AM740, and Anna in Brampton has trouble with herbs. <laughs> that's her husband. Yeah, <laughs> Herb. going to say. I could tell. <laughs> yeah. We'll, uh, oh, and you know what? We're going to be along in just a moment mm-hmm. to have a chat with Anna after these words on AM740. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. Anna, is it true that your husband's name is Herb? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Morning, Anna. I'm, I'm trying to grow some herbs on, on my uh, sunny bay window, mm-hmm. and uh, partially every year it, it gets uh, little tiny bugs. It's almost like dust, as, and it's they're flying around uh, on my other herbs and lands on flower leaves and all over the place and and also leave a sticky uh, sticky film on the on the window sill. What what can I spray them with? What color are those little flying bugs? Uh, I think they're white. Yes, I think they are too. Yeah. Uh, okay, so the amazing name of those little white flies is just that white fly. They are a real problem for anybody with houseplants or greenhouse growers. Uh, They always come out at this time of year. They do uh, have sucking mouth parts and they do pierce the underside of the leaves and absorb the liquids out of our plants and move on to another spot. And, of course, you're right. Sticky stuff keeps dripping out. Um, 
they they will certainly do a lot of damage. Leaves will turn yellow as a result of the the number of white fly that are on the the plant or plants. Uh, they the white fly do not survive winter, so that's the good thing is that uh, any plants that are outside over the winter will never have white fly on them. But of course, inside our homes, it can be a real problem. Um, the best, I mean, there's no real guaranteed way to get rid of white fly. That's the problem. Uh, two suggestions. One is look, you will, you'll see that the white fly are usually con- congregated on the new growth, on the tips of different plants. So whether it's your herbs or in my case, for example, I have some hibiscus in my living room. And sure enough, guess what I discovered on my hibiscus just the other day, but white fly, just like you. So... <clears throat> But I can see on the back of the leaves, the little eggs, they're like the size of about a half of a head of a pin, uh, and they're almost opaque. But again, they're on the underside of the new growth. And of course, you touch the plant and a whole cloud of flies takes off. Pruning away the new growth, even though we don't want to prune right now, perhaps we have to because we will right away get rid of a whole bunch of eggs. And some adults obviously will, will get t- put into the green garbage bag at the same time. Spraying with what I've used to spray for white fly is something called end all. So it's two words, E-N-D, and then all, A-L-L. It is a pyrethrin canola oil mix, kind of like the dormant spray we were talking about, which is an oil-lime sulfur mix. The oil in this case, the canola oil, does suffocate the insects that it sprays, and the pyrethrin as well works as a, uh, as a physiological chemical, which will sometimes kill white flies. Uh, but you want to be very careful when you're spraying this. You don't want to spray it in your living room because you're going to have you know, oil on the curtains or on the rug. So we take it in either into the bathroom, take the plants into the, into the bathtub or take them outside on a day like today, do the trimming, do the spraying, and then you know, get them back in the house before it gets too cold. And you may have to spray again. Bottom line, read the instructions on the product and, and keep uh, swooshing it as you're spraying because the oil will separate from the other products in the in the uh, bottle, so it's it's kind of you agitate while you're spraying uh, to make sure you're getting the proper mix going on to the plants. So that's what I've done to control white fly, and it it starts with pruning and it finishes with spraying. Can can I eat them then after spraying? <laughs> Spray eat what though? What your the the herbs? You you can yeah. I mean wash. You would wash. I personally yeah of course because I mean oil is canola oil. Uh, the pyrethrins aren't going to hurt you, but yeah, you would always give a little rinse under cool water to, before you eat, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it won't make them toxic, don't worry. All right. Okay. Okay, Anna. Thank you very thank much you, for calling. Thank you very much. Thanks, okay. Anna. Okay, bye-bye now. The Garden Show here at AM740 with Charlie Dobbin. And, oh, I see in Seaforth the Easter bunnies have arrived. Milton spotted some out in his garden, I believe. Uh, let's check that out. Milton, good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Morning. Quite all right. Yes, the one or two rabbits have pruned our rose of Sharon right down. Mm, right. About eight inches above the ground. And is there anything I can do to repair the damage? Okay, so this is a good question. Uh, pruned right down. How big was the plant when they started? Oh, about uh, a foot. About a foot, okay. Just planted last year. Yeah. All right, so it, um, the main thing you can do right now is get out your nice sharp pruners, and where they've left it all kind of ragged and jagged with their gnawing, you need to make some nice clean cuts with your pruners so that the plant can heal itself, and you're going to need to get out some 
uh, chicken wire, which is a less than one inch uh, grid, and you're going to build a little circular cylindrical castle around that Rose of Sharon, uh, like a moat, to protect it from the rabbits. That's what you're going to have to do. Okay, I already trapped one and relocated it. Okay. That worked well. Yeah. <laughs> There's still another. Well, that's it. So often people find the best way to protect from rabbits and from so many of the, the varmints in our gardens is by literally protecting each plant with a heavy gauge chicken wire. Okay, but we don't spray with uh, protective uh, healer? There is no real protective anything that will keep the rabbits away with any permanence. No, I mean to protect the, the rose of Sharon. Well, you mean pr like... From the damage. N no, the, d the main thing you can do is clean up the, the ragged edges uh, and the plant will heal itself. There's, the, the damage is done. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Yep, that's good. Okay, thank okay. you very... Thank you very much, Chip Milton, in Bye -bye. Seaforth, where they still are on the rotary phone system. I think they're yeah, I was wow, wondering. calling from the well. I think <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. We've we've got a clear line into uh, uh, St. Catherine's this morning, and Barbara is there. Hello, and welcome to the show, Barbara. Thank you. Well, good morning. It's a beautiful day. Oh, Isn't great. it? Yeah. Uh, my husband had we had geraniums in the front yard, mm -hmm. and last fall he brought them in because they were still blooming he left them in the front bay window mm -hmm. and he kept them there all winter they're starting to bloom now oh that's great uh is it going to hurt to replant them oh not at all you want to take them outside once you're frost free right yeah because they were great geraniums last year they're just as great this year what uh, no i mean you're right from a real proper botanical perspective when we do any transplanting of any plants we should remove the flowers first Okay. The reason we do that is because there's a lot of energy required to uh, produce those flowers and grow those flowers and then take them into the process of seed formation. When we plant or transplant anything, we want all the energy to go into root growth. Now, do you pinch them off, the, the flowers, or, or cut them? Yeah, you, you either pinch or, okay. or cut, but bottom line is nobody does it because nobody has the heart to take the flowers <laughs> off. And yeah. honestly, geraniums are pretty tough little plants, so chances are they'll be just fine. You know, you've got them in pots now, right? Right. So the trick is you're going to very slowly start introducing them to the outside world, take them into the shade to start for a couple of days, then take them into, you know, a little bit of windy spot after that. You're going to take about 10 days to slowly but surely introduce these plants into what is going to be the real world of hot sun and wind from your very protected living room. And, uh, and we do that with the process is called hardening off, where we gently uh, present the real world to the plants. The plants get used to it. And once we're frost-free and in your area, that should be in the next, I'd say, two, three weeks at the most, you'll be in a good position to plant them outside. Okay, the 24th of May mist doesn't work then, eh? Not where you are. In yeah. St. Catharines, boy, I bet you the last frost you have there is probably the first week of May <laughs> nowadays. Because oh, even okay. in Toronto, they, I think I read somewhere yesterday, I think they were saying there's 30 more frost-free days in Toronto, which would take us to, you know, May the whatever, 9th, 8th. Or so, and St. Catharines is even milder than Toronto. So I personally think that you're probably frost-free. Of course, you know, <laughs> there's always a chance. Oh, always. We always watch the weather. But uh, there's always a chance there could be a, a little frost. But uh, meanwhile, just plan to have them outside within, you know, early May. 
Okay, so leave them out just for a few hours a day? Yes, exactly. In the meantime, while they're getting prepared to be outside for, for the entire summer. Okay. Thanks, right. Barbara. Okay, thank you very thank much. Thank you. Okay, a delight to have you on the show, representing the St. Catharines crowd this morning, and we'll be along to uh, talk to Sharon in Toronto in just a moment. I'm starting my exercise. I see now. that. Yes. Yes, because yeah, you're getting ready for your yes. show, which is coming up uh, 11 at o'clock, 11 o'clock. Uh, yeah. And you need to be limber for that. Oh, my goodness, yes. that's an active show. I've been exercising my lips. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good thing you take you, Sierra Silk. You want a little kiss in the cheek, didn't you? <laughs> Not. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sierra Silk is, just in case you're wondering, a uh, mineral supplement from the Sierra Mountains, which helps if you have arthritis or any kind of chronic joint pain or inflammation of the joints. Uh, it will help lower that inflammation, make life much easier, more pain-free. If you want to be dancing or exercising your lips. Yeah, that's not just lip service from you. You actually take the uh, product. I actually take it, and I'm getting into the garden and other people's gardens uh, in the next uh, very short while. So I have been taking mine to keep my knees from creaking. And I do recommend that if you are interested, you give them a call. one 877 Joint 14. And I heard her coming down the hall before I saw her. Those old <laughs> knees were creaking away. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment here to uh, have a chat with Sharon. Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And I'm the sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor, saying hi to Sharon in Toronto. Hi, Sharon. Hey, Charlie and, and Frank. Morning. Um, I was just I'm not a very good gardener. In fact, I'm getting just getting into it. Uh-huh. And I've got a plant that was planted in a decorative pot, and there's no hole in the bottom. I know. I know from other people. They say when the roots come through the bottom of the pot, you know the plant is pot bound. Yes. But I can't tell whether this is pot-bound, but it looks like the new growth is being, it can't come up. Okay, no, you're absolutely right. We, no plant should ever be planted in a container without drainage holes. So that's your job today. Get yourself a pot with holes in it, drainage holes, even just, you know, uh, just a simple plastic pot, some fresh potting soil, and get that plant out of that decorative container into something with drainage holes so that it can actually thrive and you'll be in a better position to know when it's time to next repot it to a bigger size. Yeah, well, there's, I can, it looks like it's now, like the new growth can't come through. Well, you're right. Sometimes it's hard to get plants out of a ceramic. Just use a knife and slice, slide it around the, the soil ball along the edges of the, the ceramic pot. Uh, turn it upside down, shake it, bang the bottom of it with the palm of your hand. You'll find it will come out, but sometimes it can be a bit of a struggle to get plants out when they've been in a container like that for too long. Okay. Thank, right, thank, thank you very you. much, Sharon. Uh, hopefully a, an easy solution for you. Now, you've got a little email that you wanted to address. Well, I do. Thank you yes. very much. I was just wanted to share this email. It's from Barbara. She's writing from Chictawaga in outside Buffalo. Her, she, It's an interesting question. That's why I wanted to read it. She indicated that last fall uh, we were talking about putting newspaper and mulch leaves on the garden. And now she's wondering what to do. Do I rake this this whole big mess off uh, and then 
secondarily to that, a friend gave her uh, a bags and bags of grass uh, cuttings and leaves last fall, and she put all kinds of layered leaves and, and grass clippings uh, around her bushes and hostas and grasses, etc. So, of course, her garden's a bit of a mess right now, and she's not sure what do I do. So the answer to your question is, where you put the newspaper and you put the mulch, definitely just uh, turn it in. Get out your shovel, get out your, your digging fork. Do not remove any of that. Turn it in. I'm assuming that this is an open garden. Maybe it's your vegetable garden or a spot where you can really kind of work the soil. In the areas where the plants are planted and you put in layers of leaves and, and grass clippings, you can remove some of it. Don't remove all of it. But you definitely don't want more than about eh, half an inch, three quarters of an inch left on the surface now. You'll find that if you move, take some of it away, do some moving around, gently cultivating, just lightly cultivating the soil, it will loosen the soil up and it will help thaw the soil. If you leave that heavy layer of leaves, etc., on the soil now, it will slow down the warming of the soil and it will slow down the growth of the plants. So bottom line is you want to take away mulch and then as we start getting to the hot, hot time in July, then you're going to go back in with more mulch to cool the soil. Ah, right now, we basically want right. to open the soil up and allow water and sunshine to get through. Very good. Thanks, Barbara. Nice question, and yeah, interesting question, too. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully the answer to a lot of other folks out there. Well, hopefully, because, you know, even my brother, you know, he just never knows what to do at this time of year. I, I convinced him to... He still hasn't got a job, has he? Well, stop that, again. the scorched earth policy from in the fall. Now he's leaving leaves. He doesn't know yeah. what to do with them. Thanks, everybody. And Good we'll show. see you next week. And thank you, Frank. Thanks, Dave. Okay. Thanks to all our great callers. See you next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.